today, where we're kicking off the series from this day forward, Lamentations chapter 3, verse 19. Watch what it says. I remember my affliction and my wondering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Many of you came in here today with a lot of mistakes following you in. Many of you came in here today with a past that you just can't seem to get rid of. Some of you are here today carrying some guilt and some shame from some things maybe you even did this week. But maybe some of it's coming from years ago. Maybe you made some bad decisions or you just honestly, you just were just rebellious and you did some things, but you're carrying this past with you. And lamentation says, I remember my affliction and my wondering the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Some of you came into your marriage with some baggage. It's funny. We never put the baggage in the front seat, do we? When we're dating, where's the junk? Junk's always in the trunk. Nobody looks in the trunk until you get personal, right? We come into the relationship with everything nice and pretty. Men, most men brush their teeth more often when they're dating. And they take more showers when they're dating, right? Right, men? (laughs) You're not going to get in trouble. You're already in trouble. But many of you have come in here today and you've, you've got some issues in your past. And maybe there's some bitterness, some anger some regrets, but I want you to know today that God always gives us a do-over. God gives us a chance to do it again. And this verse tells us that he gives us a chance to start over. Watch the rest of this verse. It says, yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope because of this. I have hope because of the Lord's great love. We are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning and great is your faithfulness. Some of you got to hear this this morning. God's compassion for you was brand new this morning. (laughs) He's not mad like you thought he was mad. His compassions for you are new every morning. Can you understand that? Can you receive that this morning? That he has new compassions for you every morning. God doesn't want you to fail. He's not going to leave you in the grave. Come on, somebody. He's not going to leave you in the ditch all dirty. He's there to pick you up. And his compassions are new every morning. And he's, he's faithful. He's faithful. So if you take this verse and you apply it to your life very practically, it basically says this, that every morning you have an opportunity to start over. Some of you have been living in this, this pity, this pit of regret and your, your whole life is bubbling out of this pit of regret and you can't see anything positive. You can't see anything good because you're living with so much regret because the enemy's got you believing that you're still condemned, that you're still guilty, that you're still dirty and that God will not forgive you. You've gone too far. How many of you ever heard that? How many of you heard that whispered in your ear? It's too late now. Oh, you'll never get back now. That's it. You blew it. It's over. That's a lie from the pit of hell. It's a lie. I don't know about you, but I serve a forgiving God. I serve a God that loves me enough to prune me. 
and loves me enough to forgive me and cleanse me. So we got to stop living in regret. We got to stop living in our past. I just had a vision this morning, a simple kind of gross vision, but it's kind of like when people live in their past, it's kind of like they jump down the drain and try to catch up with their past when it's going down the drain. That's not real spiritual, but it's, it's kind of practical. And, and so we, if we're spending time living in our past and we're spending time in the drains of life, because if you ask God to forgive you, Like it says in the Bible, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to also cleanse you of unrighteousness. When he cleans you, your past and your stupidity goes down the drain. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. That should make you excited, but don't go down the drain looking for it. But some of us came into our marriage that way. And some of us are there today. We're in a place where, you know what? I can't love my spouse like I want to because I just feel dirty. And I feel, un, I, I feel unclean. I feel just stained. I can't be myself because I, I just feel like if, I'm, if, my, if I am myself, then, then nobody will accept me. Because the real me is flawed and the real me is broken. So we're living with facades and we're living with things. And you know, what's funny is when Cheryl and I were dating, I just had this bad habit, man, this thing sneaks up on me still today. And she'll testify to this, that if I get caught doing something, I'm a master at turning that thing around and making it her fault. She caught me doing steroids one time. She walked into the bathroom and had a Band-Aid on my cheek. And she goes, what's that? I'm like, what? What you talking about? What's that thing on your? Nothing. I'm sitting there trying to peel it off. I'm saying, what can I do with this thing? And by the end of the conversation, I then turned it around on her. Don't ask me how, but I did. I'm not as good as I used to be. You're right. So I I would spend time when I feel guilty, when I feel convicted, when I feel like I've done something wrong and she exposes me, then I constantly, my temptation is to turn it around back on her. You see, that's what a fight is. A fight is making, making her believe that she's wrong and I'm not. I was good at it. Still think I am, but she's just wise to my game. So I guess you could say the boy ain't got game no more. So let me, let me answer a question today, and this is my hope that I can answer this question. Are great marriages possible? Is it possible to have a great marriage? It is according to fairy tales. It is according to Disney. It is according to the movies. But it's funny how in real life, sometimes we believe it's not possible to have a great marriage. Right? Some of us have believed that. I've believed that myself. Can I ever have a great marriage? And I want want to tell you something today. I'm not just preaching to you. I'm preaching to us. (laughs) I just want to let you know something. I'm not Jesus. (laughs) And I'm not perfect. And God is working in me today just like he's working in you today.
Are you getting this? So I'm not preaching from a place of perfection. I'm preaching from a place of desperation. Amen? Because I'm not the husband I need to be. I'm not the father I need to be yet. I'm being perfected. Amen? So statistics say that 50% of marriages will fail. Isn't that crazy? There's a 50% divorce rate in America right now. Christian or non-Christian, it doesn't matter. Now, what's crazy is this, is that if you, if you booked a flight with Delta to fly to London and, and you did it online and there was this little disclaimer that came up and said, you only have a 50% chance of making it to your destination. How many of you would click pay? <laughs> None of us, right? Like, oh, heck no, I'm taking the boat. Let's, let's see what the boat, what's the chances on the boat? Right? You wouldn't jump into it, but you jumped into marriage believing that, hey, baby, we got it going on 100%. I'm the man. I'm so good. She can mess up and we still going to make it to the end. I'm just saying I've heard people say that. It's not me. It's funny how marriage changes us, right? But a great marriage is possible. It's possible. You see, your marriage doesn't have to be bad. Some of you need to get that today because the enemy's been telling you it's always going to be like this. I just, I just soon live. I just soon accept it like it is. It's been like this for 15 years. It's going to always be this way. I just, I guess I got to, I just got to adjust. Or maybe the enemy's telling me that they'll always be that way. They're not as spiritual as me. They're not growing as fast as me. So I guess I just got to drag them the rest of my life. Let me tell you something I discovered this week. That anytime you think you've outgrown somebody, you've really not. Because it's a form of pride. (laughs) I mean, if you got the tenacity, if I got the tenacity to say to Daniel, one day you'll catch up with me, Daniel. Lord, help Daniel to never catch up with me because I'm full of pride and self-centeredness. Are you with me? Because I've put myself in a position. (laughs) Oh, man. I thought, you know, because I studied the Bible a certain way and I prayed a certain way that my wife was behind me and she wasn't with me. But the reality is, is you can't ever leave your wife behind because the God made two one. Oh, so where your spouse is, that's where you really are. So if you're frustrated with your spouse, don't think that you over here and she's over there because God put you together. You need to repent of some pride. You need to humble yourself. Can we do this together? I'm sorry. You know, the great thing about marriage is, is that right off the bat, you learn I'm not all that. And even a bag of chips. Right? But man, we'll get stuck on these things where we think we're outgrowing the other one. And boy, if they could just catch up to us and man, all these other things and make each other feel insecure and not build each other up. Man, great, great marriages are possible. So today I want to increase your odds of making it from this day forward. 
And I believe if we'll commit to these four things, this will be the, the messages for the next four weeks. If we'll commit to these four things, I believe we will, we will drastically increase the odds of making it to the end. The first one is to seek God. We're going to talk about that today. The second one is to fight fair. The third one is to have fun. You mean we can do that? And the third, the fourth one is to stay pure. That's what we're going to talk about the next four weeks. And singles, don't worry. Every message is going to have a part for singles and a part for married couples. So don't worry. We haven't forgotten about you. And we're not giving you just one message this year like we've done in the past. We're going to give you all four. So everything that you're hearing today will have a practical application for you if you're single and searching. I got to be careful what I say these days. Sometimes the lingo has changed so much that I just... They say something crazy. So today we're going to talk about seeking God. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. You ought to memorize this verse, by the way. This is one of those life verses, I believe. Matthew six thirty-three. It says this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus is saying, if you'll come and get close to me, then I can take care of all your stuff. If you come after me first, if you'll just put me first, then don't worry about your little things. You see, a lot of times we get it backwards. We want to take care of the stuff and then come to Jesus when it's convenient. And then we live a broke, busted and disgusted life because we're not ever getting anywhere. Our marriage isn't getting any better. Our relationships and our finances aren't getting, my spiritual life's not getting any better because I'm trying to do it on my own. When Jesus is saying, if you'll just seek first the kingdom of God, and in that seeking first the kingdom of God, you receive the power to live a victorious life. If you'll come after him first and receive his power to live that victorious life, he'll just keep adding things to you. It's like all of a sudden the wind gets in your back. It's like the the, the road gets smooth. It's kind of like crossing from Louisiana to Texas. You ever do that? I mean, I'm like, come on, man. I live on a street where they did that. I'm not going to chase that rabbit. It flew in front of me, but I ain't going to chase it. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. When you don't seek him first, it's a form of pride. It's an arrogance. It's you saying, you know what? I got this today. You take the day off, Jesus. I got this. I'll call you if I need you. He's kind of like the plumber in your life. You don't call him until the pipe busts. I'll call you when the pipe busts or the toilet gets clogged. But don't worry about that. Other than that, I got this, Jesus. You all good. And what happens? We walk in our own power. We walk in our own anointing. We walk in our own wisdom. And I got a question for you. How's that working for you? How's it working so far? When we don't submit our lives to Christ, when we don't come after him first and we walk on our own, how's that working for you? How's that playing out? How's your fruit? What are you producing? Amen. So what happens is we come into marriage and we come seeking the one. You've heard it said before, right? How you been, girl? Girl, I'm looking for the one. 
when I find the one or the guy, hey, man, what's behind? Man, I'm looking for the one. Guys are more like they just stumble across the one. Right? Girls are like, I got to find the one. When I find that one, fairy tale, baby. Fairy tale. Cinderella type stuff. I mean, come on, it's going to work. When I find the one, whoo, that one. You got pictures on your wall of the one. Y- y- your girls used to do that. You pictures of all these boy bands and all these guys thinking you're going to get one of them. You better thank God you didn't get one of them. Because you might have got the whole package. Right? But, man, we're looking for the one, and we're thinking, man, if I get the one. And singles, that's, that's where probably most of you are. You, if I could just find the one person. I can find the one person that, man, if, and you know what they look like. You know what they smell like. You know how they talk. You've stalked them already. Come on, don't, it ain't funny. Y'all stalk them. You already know what it's going to be like, how they're going to woo you off your feet. Let me tell you something. They can't hold you forever. They're going to drop you sooner or later. But we spend our lives looking for the one, thinking that if we find the one, we find this fulfillment. Cheryl and I have been married almost 20 years now. She still hadn't filled me up. And I still haven't filled her up. Now I try to fill her with some stuff, but you just... Yeah. I didn't know how to get out of that one. I fill her with some bull, is what I'm saying. I try to bluff her. But I have never fulfilled her. Are you with me? And so if you're single this morning, what you need to realize is instead of going for the one, you need to go for the real one. And that's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the one that you need. If you'll spend, I'm just telling you today, if you'll spend your time, this is, this is a diamond in the rough type of, of, of statement right here. If you'll spend your time chasing Jesus, if you'll spend your time doing Matthew 6.33, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, if you'll do that, you'll produce so much pretty fruit in your life, you'll be a diamond in the middle of the street. You'll be a diamond in the rough. You will stick out like a sore thumb in a good way. You will be the most beautiful thing on the planet because nobody in the world is producing that kind of fruit there's very few people that are seeking after god first and letting him take care of the rest so instead of looking for the person you need to be looking to christ and go after him wholeheartedly and let him add the one which is really the two it's better if he finds them than if you do come on somebody let him bring it to you you don't have to work for it. My advice to my daughters when they, when they get to be where the guys are looking real hard, it's going to be, hey, babe, just keep them chasing. Just keep them chasing you. Don't let nobody catch you until you know for sure they're the one that's supposed to catch you. You just keep going after. Right now, you're dating Jesus. You want to go on a date? We'll go together. I take my daughters on a date every now and then. And after this message, they're going to say, Daddy, it's time to go. (laughs) She's already shaking her head. So that's for you singles, that you need to be chasing the one, and the one needs to be Jesus, and the two needs to be the one that he adds to you later on. 
Now, what about us married couples? We've already made that commitment. We've already made the covenant. We've already done the thing. And so we came into our marriage thinking that each other was the one. And we've really realized that they're not the one. Right? What do you do? You put them in their proper place. You put your spouse at number two and you put Jesus back at number one. Come on, somebody. You've heard me say this before. This is not new to you as, as, the, as the church. You've heard me say that the, the top three of your life is Jesus, your spouse. Come on, say it with me. And then your children. If your children are in number two, then you're out of order. If your spouse is number one, then life is out of order. If your job is number one, then you're way out of order. Come on, somebody. Right? Christ is number one. My spouse is number two. If you'll keep it in that order, you'll be successful. Amen? And let me tell you something. You've got to constantly readjust your life. Don't think that you make a, a one-time prayer and you say, Lord, I want you to be number one. And my wife will always be number two. And my children will always be number three. And you're done. No. Don't work like that. You've got responsibility. Every morning you may need to die to yourself. Every morning you may need to put your spouse where they belong and Jesus where he belongs. Come on, somebody. Every morning, don't think it's one and done. So what happens is, is when we go into a relationship and we make that person number one, we basically idolize them. Now watch this. You start by idolizing. So we call it the honeymoon phase, right? They're so perfect. He feels all my needs. Oh my goodness, girl, I found the perfect man. Mm-hmm. Give me three months. When he leaves his old funky socks in the living room and he don't brush his teeth as often as he used to. Or maybe she has this weird odor you never smelled before. What you talking about? Women stink too. Don't think y'all all that. When you smell good, you smell good. But when you stink, you stink. That's free. But we go into the whole situation idolizing the person and we make them an idol. But watch what happens. Watch what happens when they don't bring fulfillment. They go from being idolized to demonized. He's a no good. Well, three months ago, he was everything you need. That's a lazy bum. He wants to sit in the house and play video games all the time. I can't get him to get out the house. He won't take me on a date. We used to go on a date five days a week when we were dating. Man, she's messy. That woman don't clean. You know what? Love is blind. Let's just be real. Love is blind, right? How many of you would say that? I married Cheryl. And what I did not realize was that her mama fixed her plate every night. Her mama did all the cooking. Her room was a wreck. She would throw your hands in the air with me like, just don't care. Her room was a wreck. She was a mess. And I thought she was perfect. And so we got married. Now she does a great job. Now I'm the one that leaves my socks on the floor. And she tells me that she's the only one that picks them up. 
But what happens is we idolize, then we turn into demonize, right? Is some of you there today? You don't raise your hand, but are some of you there today where you've, 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 you've felt the pressure to kind of demonize? So you get on the phone with your friends or you're talking with your buddies and you go, man, God, dude, she ain't what I thought she was going to be. You end up demonizing. That's because you put them in a place that they were never meant to be successful. People can't be God. People cannot be God. She's not God and you're not God. You were never meant to fulfill somebody's life. You were meant to point them to the one that could fulfill your life. Amen. So stop putting that pressure on your spouse that she has to fulfill all these needs and desires that you have when you're not even trying to get them from Jesus. Because she'll leave you hanging every time. Come on. So here's the first principle of this message. God is my one and my spouse is my two. So for you singles, you need to pursue Christ. You need to come after God first and be busy with that. You don't need to chase anyone. Let God bring them to you. He will. He's powerful. And it's going to be at the right time. If you're married, put your spouse at number two and God back at one. For you singles, here it is. Seek the one while preparing for the two. Come on, somebody. Seek the one while preparing for the two. For the married couples, I will seek the one with my two. I will seek the one with my two. Getting something yet? Harvard did a study of 1,247 couples. And only one of these couples failed, but all the couples did three simple things. So 1,247 couples did three practical things together, and only one out of 1,247 failed. You ready for this? How many of you want some success? How many of you want a great marriage? Super simple. Number one, pray together. Oh, pastor, that's all it is. Just pray together. Man, I say a prayer for my wife every now and then. Come on, Pastor, I thought you had a deep message for me today. That is deep. Pray together. A couple that prays together stays together. Because you know what's funny about praying with your spouse? Is <laughs> you ain't always peanut butter and jelly, right? Sometimes you like oil and water. And if you make a habit of praying together, it just makes this big old awkward thing. It exposes you. Right? Sometimes if I'm mad or frustrated with Cheryl, I'll try to get in the bed before we pray. I'll try to slip away. I ain't praying for her. Pray for herself. Right? But when you when you commit yourselves to pray with one another, <laughs> you got to get face to face to some degree, and you got to address the issues in your life with God. Come on, you seeing this? With God. Now, what I want you to see is that, you know, guys have a hard time praying. Let's just be real. Some guys have a hard time praying. If you go eat lunch with me, I started this years ago when we first came to this church. You remember that, Dwight? You remember that, Doug? We go eat lunch. What would I do? Bless the food. 
You might think, oh, that's kind of silly. Let me put you with a crowd of people and get you to bless the food and see how awkward you feel. You want to know what's even crazier? I've trained my kids to pray. I'll sit at the table with some people and I'll say, Ethan, pray. And he'll pray. And Virginia will pray. And Anna will pray. You with me? Men have a hard time praying because we think it don't sound cool or mannish. But I just want to tell you something. A praying man is a manly man. You know why? Because he knows who the source of his life is. He knows who his strength is. He knows where his strength comes from. He knows that he's tapped into something. That's a manly man that'll lay down his pride, lay down his reputation, and pray out loud in front of other people. Room. Room. Trying to get the car started. Room. We're going to get you wound up today. Come on, somebody. We're going to pray together. Listen, you don't have to have a prayer meeting. Some of you just went, oh, thank God, Pastor. Woo! Glad we don't have to have a prayer meeting every night. You don't have to call to order a prayer meeting every night. Last night, my back was kind of jacked up. I went to bed early. I, I felt my wife. It was funny. She didn't think I felt it, but she laid in the bed, and she put three fingers on me. It was cute. She did three fingers on her bed. Lord, touch it. Lord, heal him, Lord. Lord, help him to be okay. Heal his back. And I was just sitting there going, thank God my wife prays for me. Because I didn't feel like praying for myself. Right? My little kids come in the room. Good night, Daddy. Lord, heal my daddy. Lord, heal him. Heal his back. Touch him, Lord. Come on, somebody. If you don't have an atmosphere of prayer in your house, it's your fault, man. It's your fault, man. You got to start it. You can't expect your kids to do something that you never demonstrated to them before. Right? It's funny. All my kids got baptized in the Holy Spirit and received a prayer language. And we were sitting down one day. <laughs> it was cute. <laughs> we're sitting down one day. I said, let me hear your prayer language. I'm like, what's wrong? Are you shame? It wasn't Virginia, it was Ethan and Anna. They were like, I'm like, come on, let me hear it. I made it awkward on intention, right? Because I don't want them to be ashamed. I make them pray in front of other people because I don't want them to be ashamed. Right? We should never be ashamed to pray. James 5.16 says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. It can't be effective if it's not prayed. Come on. I'm about to check your pulse. This morning, I'm preaching better than you're responding. I'm just telling you this morning. I just, I know it. I'm confident in it because I'm preaching the word of God this morning. And doggone it, if we'll start praying together, we'll start seeing some effective things happen in our lives. We'll see victory in places that we've always had defeat. If you're upset with your spouse, then pray for them. Stop fussing about them and pray for them. And let me tell you something. Don't get on the phone and talk to your friends about your husband. And don't get in the, in the club and talk to your, your buddies about your wife. You ought not be in the club anyway. Because you got a wife. 
But are you hearing what I'm saying? I'll never forget. My wife will tell you this story. I walked in one day and she was talking bad about me on the phone. Broke me in half. And she saw me break. Walked in the house and I went. I just went. I walked out and I heard her on the phone saying, you know what? I shouldn't have said that. Forgive me for saying that. I shouldn't be talking about him. And then she came in the room and she repented. Because you see, men have, we all have enemies, but men have enemies that face them all day long. There is lust. There is temptation. There is the pride. There's the arrogance. There's the reputation. There's all these things that men struggle with. And when they come home, they want to come home to a place of a place of gratitude, a place of respect, a place where somebody appreciates them because they've been told all week that you ain't doing a good enough job. But they want to come home and hear, hey, baby, how you doing? Right. And it's the same thing with women. They want to be loved. They want to be cared for. My issue is, is I'm a tough old brood. My wife's hurting. I'm like, suck it up. And she goes, well, you don't love me. I'm like, yeah, I love you. I told you to suck it up. (laughs) So I'm having to learn how to, hey, baby, you okay today? You okay? Can I get something for you? And man, let me tell you, I just feel the tank. Just feels the tank. Are you with me? You getting this? Don't ever be ashamed to pray with your spouse. Text her during the day. If she's going through something and you know she's having a hard time, text her. Say, hey, baby, I'm praying for you today. My wife sent me a message this morning. I can't wait to hear what you're going to preach today. I was like, (laughs) they better watch out. It's going to be on like Donkey Kong. I'm telling you today. Woo! Telling you women, you got more power than you believe. You'll speak life into that man. He'll become alive and vice versa. Amen. Amen. We got to learn to pray together. Don't let the enemy steal your prayer for one another. And don't let your frustrations about one another steal your ability to pray for one another and to believe for one another. Because it doesn't always have to be that way. God is still in the changing people business. He's still changing people every day. He's still working in me. Come on, somebody. He's not done. Number one, pray together. Number two, here we go. Super simple. Discuss the Bible together. Oh, pastor. We're going to talk about the Bible. Yep. You know why? You know why I need to hear what my wife's getting from the Bible, what she's getting from her relationship with Jesus, because it it just lets me know where she's at. Just lets me know she's seeking God. When we first got married, I expected her to serve God and to seek God like I sought God. I thought she had to do this certain type of Bible study. And I tried to fit her into my mold. Man, that didn't work. I I still, honestly, I still don't like the way she has a relationship with God because it don't fit into my, my thing. But she has a relationship with God. And she seeks him in her timing. And when it's good for her and when she's, she feels like she needs it and she does it on her own. And it, I'm just mad because it's not my way. That's just all it is. She prays different than me. She reads the Bible different than me. And I got to be okay with that. But we need to talk about it. Right? 
I need to hear what revelation she got from the word. You know why? Because that puts comfort in my heart that she's seeking after God and God's revealing things to her. Amen. It, it don't have to be an ordained meeting every night. All you structured people. It's look, it's eight thirty. It's eight thirty. Everybody in the living room. It's eight thirty. Let's go. What? We got to talk about the Bible. Let's go. And they're like, God, I want to talk about the Bible. I want to go to bed. Don't make it awkward. Don't make it crazy. Just share it as you go. Just be real. Talk about what's going on. I love this. I love, you know what, my wife, and we're getting better at this, but she, she's, she's very good at listening when I say, hey, babe, man, I was reading this morning. Whew, girl, you got to get this. Watch what, watch what happened. And I tell her something, she'd be my, my little cheering squad. Cool, baby, that's good. I'm like, yeah, it is good, huh? Like, I'm going to go read my Bible right now. It's supposed to be fun, y'all. Discuss the Bible together. Number two, Deuteronomy 6, 6 to 7 says, These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. In other words, you should always have something to say. You should always be talking about what Christ is doing in your life, what your experiences are with him, what's happening in your life. Don't ever not have anything to say. Amen. We should always have a testimony. We should always have a revelation. We should always have something to give somebody. You know what the coolest things about one of the coolest things about being a Christian today is, is that if you'll read your Bible and you'll, you'll write down a few things that the Lord reveals to you by the Holy Spirit. Man, if you'll take those and you go, say, okay, man, this applies to my life, man, this is good. Wow, man, thank you, God. Lord, I pray these scriptures over my life. Lord, help me to be this. Wow, Lord, this is good. You put it up and you head to work. You're going to run into that bonehead that's been aggravating you for two months. And he's going to be busted and broke down. And he's going to need your quiet time. Because God reveals his word not just for you, but for other people. But don't ever get it confused. It is for you. <laughs> Some people get all religious and they get a word. And they go, Who you want me to get this to today, Lord? And he's like, well, I gave it to you first. Yeah, I know. I got that. But, but I mean, what, what? Right. Discuss the Bible together. Number three, attend church together. Oh, I'm going to preach the mess out of this one. Y'all better watch out. Y'all got another hour. Attend church together. Let me tell you something. My family doesn't wake up on Sunday morning and make a decision if whether or not we're going to church. My children love church. Virginia got upset a couple of weeks ago when they had the unit, the the Eunice unity worship thing at at the school and we didn't let her go. She was offended because she couldn't go to church. I wish I could tell you we went into marriage and raising kids with that in mind. And that we're, this is what we're going to establish in our marriage. We're going to establish the kids that just love to go. We didn't do that. 
It's, you know how that happened? That happened because Cheryl and I made a commitment to be in the house of God every Sunday, period. It's not up for debate. I'm not substituting for a baseball game. Ethan made all-stars one time. He broke my heart. I had to tell his coach, hey, coach, I'm glad you picked him for all-stars, but Sunday he ain't going to be here. Why not? Because he got something better to do. He got something eternal to do. He got a family. We had a family reunion every Sunday. Come on. It's a family reunion. Every, he going to spend eternity with these people, not with this baseball team. And besides that, coach, I appreciate everything you're doing, but baseball's going in. He's not going in the majors. He's going to be in a major world. And he needs a major God. And he needs to know how to have a major relationship with that God. Come on, somebody. But I don't want you just to attend church every now and then. I want you to attend it faithfully. You say, yeah, you're the pastor. You get paid to do that. I was doing this before I got paid. We don't miss. Pastor Bubba literally has to make us take a vacation from church. And we got to make him take a vacation from, he's supposed to be off today, but I guarantee you he's sitting in somebody's campus because he just don't, you just don't know how to act. I mean, it's like you get a, a, a Sunday off and you're kind of like, oh, man, what the heck am I supposed to be doing today? Mm, Jesus. Oh, this ain't no fun by myself. It's no fun. I tried to, to, to skip church and go fishing one time. Didn't catch nothing. I'm like, fish don't bite on Sunday. They bite Sunday afternoon, though. Come on, somebody. Shoot. Them big ones bite Sunday after you've been to church. You touch that bait with that little bit of anointing on there, and that bass comes by and he goes. Pooh, let me tell you. Attend church faithfully. Stay at home parents. Don't raise go to church kids. You can't expect them to be something that you're not. But we got a world filled with people that think that they can live this way any way they want to. And magically their kids are going to do something better. It don't work that way. You're leaving a legacy. You're either leaving a curse or a blessing. I didn't have to tell my kids they had to be at church this morning. I didn't have to make them get up. I didn't have to do that. I didn't have to wring their necks and fight for them to get to church. They were up. Getting dressed. Song in their heart. Worship music bumping in the kitchen. Oh, I mean, we, we throw down. Y'all need to come live with us sometimes. I mean, it's fun. We pulled up at the church Wednesday night. Friday night. Where's Dwight? Dwight come outside. He, he's looking at us. We got the, we're in the minivan now. <laughs> you got to get this. The grocery go getter. Got the speakers bumping. Got this new song. We in there like this. All of us. And Dwight's like. I'm like, yeah, bud. It's on the day. Bumping, having fun. I love this place. I love you. I love to hang out with you. You're beautiful people. You're the cleanest people I know. (laughs) 
I love being free. <laughs> I love to be free. Guilt has no place in my life. Condemnation has no place in my life. I'm free to worship Jesus like I want to. And I don't care what you think about it. Right? I praise God that he stirred inside of my heart and Cheryl's heart to attend church regularly. Because I don't have to labor to make my kids go. I'm leaving them a legacy. And you know what? One day they might stray. That's okay. But there's a seed in their heart. One day they're going to stray. They all will stray. But there's a seed in their heart. And when that emptiness comes and that void comes, you hear me? One day the bulb's going to turn on. And they're going to say, man, my mom and dad had peace. Man, my mom and dad, man, they, what were they doing? And then it's going it's to come. Man, they went to church. They didn't just go to, they were, man, we, we were at church every Sunday. I feel sorry for my kids because when, you know, when they get out the house, they're going to have to explain to people that they like to go to church. Because most, most people are like, man, you had to go to church? God, what cruel parents. Man, they, they, they made you go to church? Oh, no, they didn't make us go. My kids are going to be weird. I'm going to tell you that right now. They get, out, they get out into the road. They're weird. And I'm okay with that. They think it's fun to go to church. That's weird. Baby, be weird. Right? Don't be ashamed. Be different. Attend church together faithfully. You never know what the Holy Spirit will tell you in a church service. We were leaving Franklin. We were attending the Broussard campus, driving 45 minutes to go to church. And it was just an average Sunday morning. We went to church and Pastor Jacob was preaching something. And he told a joke about husband and wife relationship. I can't even remember what the joke was, but he told this joke. And when he told that joke, the Holy Spirit convicted me like I'd never felt before. I'd been unfaithful to Cheryl before we were married and promised that I was faithful. But I never confessed. We even had a confession night before we got married. We're like, did you do anything? No, I didn't do anything. Did you do anything? No, I didn't do anything. And I lied to her. And I'm at church. It's not even a, a marriage message. He makes a joke about a husband and a wife. And the Holy Spirit convicts me. And I go home to try and take a nap. Can't sleep. Try to find some peace. Can't find it. Didn't find it until I got on my knees that afternoon because I wrestled with it all day. And I got on my knees and I confessed my sin to her. And I asked her and begged her to forgive me. And I prayed to God that she wouldn't pack up and leave. And she forgave me. And our marriage took off from that day forward. Are you with me? From that day forward, it got better and better. I was just at church. I just went to church and I heard a joke and the Holy Spirit used it to set me free and to bring unity in my marriage. You never know what's going to happen at church. 